0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link LinkSoul. Check out their spring collection. Go to LinkSoul.com. And by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com.
1: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
0: And the pitch swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head. And over the wall. Do you believe that?
1: And 29 other MLB clubs.
0: Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away,
2: back, gone. go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. Boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judge in blast. All rise.
0: Here comes the Judge.
1: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town,
3: only on Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon,
2: everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, the Wednesday edition. Turn me down just a little bit there, Commander Cody, on the headset. I am very excited about today, and one of the reasons why I'm excited, get rid of that water bottle, one of the reasons why I'm super excited is we are in San Francisco at the NBC Sports California Studios. They call it the Xfinity Room. And as you can see, it's like we're getting the full treatment today, the full setup. Now, if you're if you're listening on our streaming platform at athletics.com slash cast, you just turn me down. All right, there you go. Um, if you're listening, athletics.com slash cast, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just trust me on this one. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, you can see it. This is—we've always had this killer Oakland background. So it's Mount Davis, it's Oakland, and the kind of the green screenish thing, uh, where if you're here, you can't—you can't tell these are actual clouds. They're blurry. Like I turn around now and I look at the same thing you're looking at right now. It's just blurry. I can't tell what it is. Right? But when a camera hits it and the right light lighting, it looks like a beautiful sunset. It's like magic. Like Disneyland? Uh, am I right? Like, we look at it, you cannot tell that's a sunset. No. And you can't even tell it's Mount Davis. We can only see Oakland. But when you put a, and looking at it right now, that you can't tell anything. But you put a camera on it and the correct lighting, voila, it is magic and that looks what you're seeing right now looks so awesome. Not only is that the beautiful clouds above Mount Davis in Oakland. Look at the sunset, the colors. That is
0: killer. I agree. I think I, I mean, need this for my house. Nothing nothing against the one we have at the uh, the road studio, but Well, it's the same kind of thing, but it we don't have the clouds. Do we by the way, do we call this the Road remote studio or ro- remote studio, San no, Francisco is, studio.
2: We do not. We're 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 clearly visitors here. We're clearly visitors here. The guest studio. We're we're guests. We're guests. Yeah. Now, now if we were Warriors live, when we We're Giants live, maybe different. Here we're we're guests.
0: I think. Didn't we do a one time last year where we did a road game from the field at the Coliseum? It was just you and me at the Coliseum. Was that last year or two years ago? Wait, what? There was a time where we were in Oakland for something. Yeah. Remember, we, we did a show from the Coliseum when the team was on the road and they were doing like a home run derby or oh, something. Oh, batting with, practice. What season sp- ticket holders? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Something happened. We couldn't do it at the, uh, the Jack London offices. So the next clip, based- we had meetings. Jack London office could not do it for some reason. We had to go to the Coliseum thinking no one was going to be there. And next thing you know, it was season ticket holders taking BP. So we're on the field, people are taking BP. We're like, it's sweet. And all the season ticket holders were coming over, high fiving us. That was awesome. I forgot about that.
0: We got to we got to find out from uh, the great Steve Finelli or Vito uh, when that's going to happen. Maybe we do it again.
2: Yeah, we should be there. I really enjoyed that getting out to uh, see our great season ticket holders and watch them have fun. I mean. You pay to go the games, you watch the games, and then how great is it that now all of a sudden you get to run around on the field with your kids, take BP, enjoy a beautiful day. I mean, there's – as a baseball fan, being on the actual field that the players play on, there really is nothing better.
0: No, I completely agree. And they they had the time of their lives, and I think we would do the same thing if we, if we were able to do it. I saw there's a softball game that we could play in, but I, I think we're playing – I think we're in Cleveland, so – Unfortunately, as always, we won't be able to partake because partake, we'll be on the air.
2: All righty, Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. We are going back-to-back. Back. I mean, it was a lot of fun uh, having Ed Sprague Jr. on, Director of Player Development, kind of getting the lay of the land of, of what we have going on in the minor league system where you don't have a clump of guys all in one spot. They're kind of spread out a little bit, which means they're going to be coming at different times but there is belief that there are guys so it was great to have uh, Ed on I know not I everybody not everybody got a chance to hear it watch it so we will replay it today. Melissa Lockhart who also covers the minor league system. We'll ask her some of the same things. See if we can get two really good minds sinking up here and saying the same thing. So we'll talk to Melissa coming up here at 4.30. And one of the top baseball writers, one of the smartest guys in our business. You see him on MLB Network. You read him on MLB.com. Mike Petriello will be joining us here on A's Cast Live. It is always great to have him.
0: Juan Soto's hitting well. Let's see what he has to say about him now.
2: Oh, you're gonna go down the Juan Soto route? Hey, Soto's up to 260 now. You're gonna go down the Juan Yeah.
0: More Juan hits and Soto. walks now. Juan Soto. He's he's back. I mean, yeah, they're playing the the really bad Washington Nationals, but Soto's back. Time to give him that 500. Time to engage in the 500 million talks, San Diego.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't even. <laughs> the fact, I mean, I know we talk about it all the time. It's just like it's just like mind blowing. The fact that they've guaranteed $863 million. I mean, you're starting... When you're getting closer to a billion dollars in commitment to salary, you just kind of like, wow. Like, what? What? How is this going to work out for the next 10, 11 years? How is this going to work out? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, speaking of crazy... We're going to give you the numbers. The A's are on pace for 130 losses. That would be the most since the Cleveland Spiders in 1899, where they went 20 and 134. Um, You know, the law, everything comes back to the law of averages. At some point, you have to believe that this team is going to start winning. And what you saw last night, you know, a guy that I'm hoping is not going to be like a lot of his contemporaries right now, you know, blessed with a golden arm, you come out every single game, you come out, you're ready to blow, you're ready to, and then next thing you know, you've got arm injuries. Luis Medina looks like, I don't know, but he looks very athletic. You look at his delivery, you look at the way he throws, pretty effortless, very athletic, that he could stay healthy. And if he if he is brought along right really could be a frontline starter for the A's for years to come. You're looking to find young guys. You're looking to find young guys who are controllable. But this is a time, and I'm not going to get off this, and we love these guys to death, our coaching staff, but they've got to do one of the best coaching jobs of their career. This is not, hey, man, we got Chapman, we got Olsen, we got Simeon, we got Cannon, we got all these guys. Hey, we just show up, we're winning games, man. That is not what this year is. This year is a year to earn your paycheck as a coach. You've got to get these guys who may not be good enough to play here. you got to make them good enough. you got to coach them up. You've got to get the best out of every single player that is your job. And I think about Medina. You know one one criticism, if I could have of this young man last night, and I don't have my scorebook on me, but I don't need it. And going through is look hell on wheels for four innings, and then what happens? He get he gets beat by a couple long balls. And what we are seeing, and what we are training, if you if you're not giving me lip service. If you're really starting to tell me, listen, I, I understand. I need my starters to go longer but because it, it's killing our bullpen. We all agree on that. Here's the deal. You cannot come out first inning and show everybody your best stuff. You've got to come out and establish your fastball, get people out with your fastball, which, oh, by the way, when it's 98-99, shouldn't you not be afraid to throw your fastball? Yeah. Would you be afraid to throw your fastball if you threw 99 with movement? No. So first time through the order, hopefully you go one, two, three. So that means first time through the order, that means you would get to the third inning and you've pretty much beaten the front part of the the first, the middle, and the back part of the lineup. And let's just say maybe you gave up a walk or a hit. Just It's a game. Things happen. So you essentially would be getting into the fourth inning – And you really haven't shown your top breaking stuff yet. For him, it's going to be slider curveball. He's got a changeup. Maybe it is a time you showcase the changeup, even though it isn't your best pitch. And it's a show-me pitch. You're showing some things, but I'm not coming at you with the whole kitchen sink. Because what happens when you come at me? I got Dave Stewart in the other room. Maybe I go over and grab him. Dave Stewart, what happens when you – and we're not just talking Dave Stewart – from the standpoint of a great pitcher, remember Dave Stewart was a pitching coach. When you showcase everything in the first at-bat, first at the whole lineup's watching it. They're watching it. They're seeing your best slider. They're seeing your best curveball. They're seeing your best stuff. So is your best stuff that great when they're now seeing you a third time?
0: And they're seeing it for a third time. Um, usually you want to, I mean, like I was looking at it last night and his slider, he threw a slider 27 times. Okay. It was best, best, second best pitch last night. 12 swing. He got five swings and misses, four strikeouts. He had four strikeouts in the game. All four at the slider. I think for young pitchers. When were they? Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the, go back and look at the, uh. You hold on one second. Can always bring up the old baseball savant page. No, it was, it was on, I actually, I found it on MLB research tool, but. I think the modern model pitchers should use, and we talked about this before. Why don't these guys that throw hard just follow the Justin Verlander model of throwing of throwing, you know, ninety-five, ninety-six, ninety-seven to start, and then you're throwing ninety-nine in the seventh and eighth inning. I know we don't have pitchers go into the seventh or eighth inning anymore, but he's the model to follow I mean, to me, I think he's the model to follow.
2: You call me old Space Mountain, you gotta go to baseball savant, you gotta go to all these fancy websites to hopefully find it. Well, if you just watch the game every night and keep score, you can just go to your score book that we
0: call The Bible. I haven't kept score since I coach baseball. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. when you keep score every night, I can just look and tell you. Well, he got Kellnick strike three uh, in the second inning. You got Raleigh and Hernandez. He got them uh, swinging uh, in the third inning. He got France swinging in the third. Look where all these strikeouts are. Where are all these strikeouts? Baseball savant doesn't tell you that?
0: Uh No. It just tells you what, what the pitches were.
2: Yeah, all they just tell Velocity. Kind of the problem with, with 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 data is it doesn't necessarily tell you all the story. It tells you a good chunk of the story. It doesn't tell you all the story. So my story is telling you that here he is, and he's coming out guns a-blazing, striking everybody out. He had four strikeouts in the game. All four strikeouts were early. So all of a sudden he gets through the first four innings as I talk about unscathed. But what happens in the fifth inning? What's happening
0: in the fifth inning? Uh, gives up a double. But what's happening? Well, he's, they already seen everything. They've seen his fastball and they've seen his And where rankings. are we through the lineup? Uh, it's going to the third time through. Third
2: time through. So this is where they have their data against pitchers. These front offices where they're they're right. Third time through, pitchers start to struggle. Well. You know what? Maybe we could turn that a little bit on front offices and coaching staffs is that you're gonna use that data at me. Well, let me come back with how I started this show. I'm gonna come back at you. When you've trained your pitchers to pitch like closers or relievers, and you train them to come out and just I come out and blitzkrieg everybody, strike everybody out. I want your best stuff from the first pitch till the till we pull you your best stuff till the end. Well, what happens is, everybody's seen it. These are the best hitters in the world, which means they are their hand-eye coordination is some of the best in the world. Their vision is some of the best in the world. And in between their ears, they're really smart dudes. And they're sitting there and they're watching you. Okay? You think everybody's just sitting around, you know, drinking coffee, eating sunflower seeds. That's not what they're doing. <laughs> they're watching you. They're cuz watch- this is their business. And they're watching you, and they're watching to see how you pitch. And what are they seeing? Oh, look at that slider. That's a pretty good slider. He's throwing a lot of that slider. And all of a sudden, what, what what's the pitch that's going yard once they get the third time through the order? Slider. So there's my point. You showed them everything you got right out of the gate. You showed them everything. Now, if you go to the movies... And they tell you what the entire plot and the ending and everything is in the first 15 minutes. Do you then want to stick around for the next hour and 45 minutes of that movie? Uh, Most
0: likely not. No. I'll just go with no.
2: No. I mean, it'd it'd be like going to see the movie Titanic and the boat boat sinks in the first 10 minutes.
0: Yes. Or if you just. There could be people that had no idea that Titanic actually sank or if it was a real thing. Those are the suckers. But I yes. mean, iceberg ahead! Bang! Boat hits the iceberg and it goes to the bottom of the ocean. Sank pretty quick. You're telling me there was, by the way, you're telling me there's a couple that fell in love on the actual Titanic and this all happened.
2: There had there had to be. There's a band and oh my God, <laughs> look at all the costumes and I mean, Titanic won Oscars for everything: music, costumes, everything. I mean, Titanic won all the Oscars. Well, if the boat hits the iceberg. 10 minutes into the movie and the boat's at the bottom of the ocean. What are we talking about for the next two hours?
0: At least two hours.
2: Well, (laughs) let me tell you. Luis Medina last night went out and he showed you everything. It was the the movie, the beginning, the the, the middle, and the end. He showed you all in your first at-bat. You saw everything. So what happens? So he's in control. He's mowing through the Mariners. And then all of a sudden we get the fifth inning. And two outs again. So... It's only the second Her- Hernandez and Wong. It's just their, their their second at-bats. They get out. Murphy hits the double. We're okay. But now here come Crawford and France. Two outs in the fifth. Third time they're seeing Luis Medina. And they saw everything right out of the gate. They've seen it in their two at-bats. They go back-to-back back yaks. I still think a terrific outing for Luis Luis Medina. The
0: last three have been great. It's
2: what I want to see. I, I tr- trust me. I right now I'm having a hard time. I can just show you my scorebook, all the stupid stuff I do every night. So I just want you to know that there is something that goes into the post game show when I'm ranting and raving. And I guess last night, last night I, I had a big cup of coffee before I went. I, on. I heard. Yeah, I heard.
0: I a cup ble- and a half, right? So I heard you talk, Greg, and slow.
2: <laughs> I uh. <laughs> I forgot to break after I let Ken Korak go, and I think I went on for
0: like a half hour. You I, went, just, I was just rambling. I got. I got angry. You want? You want full Greg Papa stream of consciousness there? Just kept yeah, going. I did a, through a break. You know, that's a good point. I did a
2: full on Greg Papa, to where all of a sudden, it's <laughs> all of a sudden, you like been talking for like twenty minutes. You go, You realize what the hell am I talking about, and where are we in this show? Um, I got people to call in.
0: Yeah, I listened.
2: Which I didn't think after a 3-2 to loss we were going to get anybody to call in. I had all kinds of Ed Sprague to play, and we didn't get through any of it. But the point is, Medina for me, he gets called up. You see an electric arm. Great. Then you send him down. You call him back up. You see an electric arm. Well, keep him here. Let's let's get him through the process of let's let him learn. Let's let him let's let him learn here at the big league level. What to do in between starts. How to how to take care of your body, how to sleep, how to eat, how to work out, how to look at video, how to journal, how to do all the different things mentally and physically you need to do to be prepared before every start. Let's do it. And I think what you're going to see from Medina is a guy that we're going to Next next year at spring training, I've got a feeling that Medina is going to be somebody we're going to be saying, you know what, this is a kid that we watched grow last year because we still got June, July, August, September. Think about all those months we have left in baseball and all the games we have to train people and let people learn. How to do it at this
0: level. Yeah, and I think he's a good example because of what you saw with the upside, what the velocity His, he went back to back quality starts, six innings, five and five and a third yesterday. I think that he's the only thing that's biting him really is the long ball. He's given up seven home runs, but who cares? He's still pitching deep in the games. By today's standards, he's pitching deep in the games. <laughs> and I mean, I looked it up. First time through the order, first play of players through the order or through the game, first play appearance for hitters, they're hitting 206. Second time through, two twelve. Pretty good. Third time, three eighteen. So you've shown
2: everything.
0: The OPS. And who did you mention before I went and got the book? Uh, Old Space Mountain, Justin Verlander. Old Space Mountain.
2: Verlander was a master at this. And as you.
0: Don't you be upset because they tore Old Space Mountain down. Don't be upset.
2: (laughs) My retort. Oldest ride, longest line. (laughs) Uh Woo! Woo! (laughs) All right, you're right, and that's something that in our next conversation, it may just be like Scott Emerson. Why don't you? Why are we not teaching guys to be Verlander? Why? I mean, we we've seen it plenty of times. We've seen it in playoff games. We've seen it in regular season games. Verlander comes out, challenges, establishes his fastball, but he's not showing you his best fastball. He's not showing you his best stuff. And a lot of that has to come with confidence. He still believes, I mean, you can look at the data. Verlander is doing nothing that Luis what Luis Medina can't do. He can throw just as hard as Verlander. Verlander has now gone to a slider. Verlander used to be a curveball changeup yeah. guy. Verlander went to a slider. But Verlander would come out. And remember the game the A's actually beat Verlander at home, but Verlander had a no-hitter going to, like, the seventh or something like that with, yeah. his, with the Astros. Verlander is still going to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to come out at 94-95, and I'm just going to throw fastballs at you. He gets through the order the first time. And then all of a sudden, next time through, who knows what you're going to see out of Verlander. And it really is how he's feeling. It could be the nasty slider. Verlander has the big curveball he can go to. Verlander has the changeup. Verlander has a lot of different weapons, but you're not seeing those weapons until later on. That's the mind game. Because all of a sudden, when I'm a hitter, and I'm going up against Verlander third or fourth time, Hell, I don't know what he's throwing at me. Yeah. I, I pull- you know first. You know right out of the gate. I, he's coming at me a fastball. But after that, it's a mind game. You don't know what I'm going to throw. And you know what pitch that helps more than any other pitch later on? Fastball. Fastball. Because he now... He got you out fastball first at bat. So you're there and you're thinking, oh, fastball, and you're gearing up. And then, you know, your second, third, now you're seeing slider, change. you're seeing all this other stuff. And then by the fourth at bat, now you're, now you're like, hell, I have no idea what he's going to throw me. I mean, it could be any count. I've seen slider, and then before you know it, now Verlander comes at you, and you have not seen this all day. Think about this. Verlander came at you 94-95, your first at bat. Think of, I want you all to think as a hitter. Your first at-bat, you saw 94-95. It's Verlander. He's a super tall guy. Was he 6'5"? Yeah. And throwing from up top, he's boring down on you 94-95, which probably to a hitter looks more like 98. Then in your next at-bat, now you're getting to see the nasty slider. Now you're getting to see the curveball. You're seeing other pitches, right? So let's say it's the third or fourth at-bat, crucial time in the game, You've now kind of seen all this kind of stuff. And then Verlander pulls out a hundred. You haven't seen a hundred. Where the hell did that come from? He's the best at it. You were throwing 94, 95. You're throwing sliders. You threw me a big breaking curveball. I think I've seen everything. And all of a sudden he humps up and whack hundred miles an hour at you. And you watch these guys. You watch the ball. The ball. As they're going in, and they're the ball's hitting the catcher's glove, and you're so far behind, you're like, holy S-bomb. What the hell was that? Think about that. He lures you in. He plays a game with you. You're not seeing 100 in the first inning. He's saving that for the seventh inning. He saves it. So I'm not asking Medina to do Verlander seven innings, but what if when he faced Crawford and France in the fifth, if now they were seeing 99, what if he went at them at 95? What if DeGrom pitched like that? And I don't know. I think DeGrom still gets hurt. It's just his body. It's Some guys, Just it just is what it is. And unfortunately for DeGrom, I think he would be hurt no matter what. He's just had so many injuries. But what if someone lives? 95 is still hard with movement. Location, location, location. I talk about that box all the time. You see on television now, we got the box. If you don't live directly in the middle of that box, what happens if you live on the outer edge, throw strikes, you get through the get through the order the first time? What if Medina started pumping 99 now at Crawford in France with the slider? How different would that be?
0: Yeah, and I went back and looked just to give the context to Verlander. Verlander first played appearance through the order in his career. This isn't just as your career, 213. Okay, pretty good. Second time through, 216. Really good. Third time through. Two forty five.
2: So there's not that dramatic three sixty. No. Uh, four some, time.
0: Two fifty nine.
2: Yeah, you see you see that you see and, and, and that and that once again and that and that once again is what we're talking about with variety with great stuff. He gives you a bunch of different stuff. And I guarantee you, if we sat with, down with Justin Verlander and we had like an hour and just, you know, hey, we're going to shoot the bull with him, he would tell you, hey, what I gave, and he's not in our division anymore, but what I gave the A's the first time around when I faced him, and maybe I faced him again in, I don't know, two months, I'm now going to be different again. I'm always, you're just not going to see the same guy. You're not going to see the same patterns I'm gonna play the mind games with you well what mind game is Luis Medina playing right now he's not he's just getting up there and he's throwing as hard as he can he's trying to strike everybody out and I get it but that's where Scott Emerson and the and the crew they got to teach him how to pitch and you don't showcase everything you got first time through the order because by the time you get through the third time they've now seen it all and good hitters will make what we call in sports adjustments
0: yeah as I as I mentioned Second time through the order for Medina, 212. Third time through, 318. That's a drastic jump from the 216 from Verlander. And I know we're comparing a Cy Young and, dare I say, future Hall of Famer. No. From God. his 218 to what I say it was two eighteen to 216 to 245, where Medina goes from 216 to uh, 318. That's a drastic jump.
2: Is our sport the only sport that constantly has to call somebody a future Hall of Famer? Heard
0: Mike Trout's a future Hall of Famer this morning. Does any ever sport do that? Are we calling? Do we call Patrick Mahomes a future Hall of Famer? I actually, yeah, Steph Curry. All uh, the
2: time, though. No, I mean, do we need to look at Steph Curry and go
0: future Hall of Famer? LeBron James, future Warrior, future Hall of Famer.
2: I mean, dude, LeBron James, future Hall of Famer. Does anybody even say that? Uh, I do I even have it. to say that?
0: They will say they are saying future Warrior. But, uh,
2: I, how many times do you think Miguel Cabrera has been <laughs> called a future Hall of Famer the last three years? Uh, all the time. Well over a 1,000 times. Because
0: there's no other superlatives you can throw at him.
2: Well over a 1,000 times easily. Future Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. Why can't we – why, why do we have to always say that?
0: What are we going to call him, the slick hitting first baseman? He's not that anymore. Oh, shots fired on the future Hall of Famer. I just t- – I tell the truth. <laughs> you sure Trout's going to make the Hall of Fame? Uh, I think his war Are there. you sure? He just passed Griffey. I think he's going to be there.
2: Yeah, the whole – there's a debate. We'll get into that. Maybe we'll throw Melissa – DiMaggio, the great DiMaggio, Griffey, and Trout.
0: Legendary ace coach, mind you, Joe DiMaggio.
2: Oh, my God. I saw one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen. It was 1968. I don't know where. It was Joe DiMaggio in a white age. I don't even know what the material would be, but it was a white age jacket, and it was Rick Monday In a green A's top.
0: First ever draft pick.
2: It was old. You can't get any more old school than that. We're talking with Melissa Lockhart next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues
1: with Chris Townsend.
2: Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Now, you have just forwarded us a picture of the great Joe DiMaggio in a white jacket uh, with. It, it, with a group, and that a group it does have Rick Monday in it. But I saw this picture that was it was just Joe D. and Rick Monday. Okay. And, and we're talking, but those, those type, I wish we could sell that merch. If we could be like, this is the style of jacket Joe DiMaggio wore. I don't care if it's wedding gown, white, whatever color you want to call it, Fort Knox gold. I'm wearing it, and I'm buying it.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and Reggie is in that. I don't know if you if you noticed Reggie Jackson's one of the guys that's uh listening to Joe. So, uh Bring it back up, Cody. He's Let up. me see. Cody is showing me that off and the whole thing. Um no, it's I mean, can you imagine being a young hitter and Joe DiMaggio is the one that's teaching you everything. You can see why they won three straight World Series, you know. Not that long after that.
2: Yeah, so for fans to see what she just sent over, how cool is that? Like,
1: I can't. It's like a Rockwell painting, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we've talked to Joe Rudy about it a lot. Like, it's hard to believe. Being a young athletic, and I guess some of our young fans won't understand, but Joe DiMaggio is an American sports icon. I mean, he's talked about in in music in movies and i mean joe dimaggio like later on for me he was mr coffee but for that generation not only was he a sports star but he was like an american icon and then all of a sudden joe dimaggio is a coach of yours for the a's that was wild for the players back in those days
1: oh sure and i mean you know and you're talking about franchise just moving to oakland all those young players. And within years, you know, they're, they're the best team, you know, arguably one of the best collections of players in the history of the game, you know, and this was the seeds of that is the greatest hitter, maybe of all time, greatest right-handed hitter, perhaps, um, you know, uh, teaching them the the where. So, I mean, I I think that's pretty great. You know, Bay area baseball history in general, I think is, um, you know, something that people don't always appreciate, but the fact you can go to San Francisco and see Joe DiMaggio's, uh, apartment that there was his restaurant all those years in Washington Square Park and um you know that's just a small part of h- how much the game has been impacted by this area that i think uh people don't always remember and appreciate
2: all righty get me excited about some young guys i i, I need something to sell i need something
1: <laughs> yeah don't we all <laughs> i think it's uh it's tough i mean you know i You know, I'm always very optimistic and, you know, I can kind of try to spin anything. I I think there's a really nice collection of position players coming through the system. I think, um, especially if you look at that, that double-A Midland roster, um, there's a lot of guys that they were very high on coming into this season. They were having really nice seasons and, um, you know, could be pushing their way to triple-A soon. There's a couple of guys that we've talked about quite a bit on that triple-A Las Vegas roster as well, who are are playing well. Um, The thing I kind of come back to though is trying to puzzle out like how does that whole group play together it 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 does seem to me like there's a lot of redundancy um at each position and not a lot of uh easy ways to look at it and say, okay, I can see where all these guys spread out all over uh, a lineup that's not going to steal each other's playing time. I mean, you look at Jordan. Jordan Diaz is a good example, right? Here's a kid who I think we saw in flashes what he could do uh, potentially as a hitter. Um, I think he's made some pretty significant improvements fielding at at second base. Um, And but his other position is third base. And when you look at the players that are coming up behind him, you know, second base and third base are where a lot of those really good players are playing and you don't want to waste a bat like Jordan Diaz. um, But where is he going to fit in with the Zach Gallows with the Brett Harris's um, and some of these other guys that are coming up. So, um, that's where I, I, I worry about kind of where the, the, the future part of it is there is a lot of talent and um, you know, you can't always make the argument that that talent can be used to trade, to fill the holes that, you know, are created by having a lot of those guys at the same positions. But um, it's one thing that I've noticed that that sort of, I've haven't been able to puzzle out in my mind where all those guys can play together.
2: Do you want me to tell you how to fix that? <laughs> Go. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how to fix it because we're looking at, you know, we're starting to get ready for the draft and we're looking at, where the A's potentially could be drafting. Don't worry. They all have the A's drafting a catcher. So we'll fix it all with drafting more
1: catchers. (laughs) I know. I saw those. Yeah. I mean, and and Kyle Teal's a heck of a player, you know, and, and um, I think he's going to be an absolute amazing pro, but when you've spent as much draft capital as you have on the catching position, not to mention who you've traded away to get catching in the last couple of years, um, yeah, that seems like an odd fit. I mean, you know, look like they, they got totally uh, messed over in that draft lottery. It, they could not possibly have gone worse for them than it did in terms of falling from two to six. And the top five picks, I think are pretty well established as these are the five top players in this draft. And after that, there are good players, a lot of good players, but it's not nearly as clear cut. And it, of course it happens to come right at six. So yeah, um, you know, I think pitching is where they really need help, but whether it makes sense to take a pitcher at six when the top two pitchers are probably going to be gone and then the gap after that is is a little higher, um, I'm not sure. You know, I think a position player might make more sense there, but uh, it, it's not going to fix a hole that they have in the system, that's for sure. Is
2: catcher the most valuable and important position in like the history of mankind, like bigger than quarterback, bigger than goalie, bigger than president of the United States. Is it catcher or is it just this ultimate man. You
1: can't have enough of these guys. Well, I learned the game of baseball from Ray Fosse, so I will say yes. No, it's <laughs> you
2: know? not. No, it's not. And I love Ray Fosse, but you know what I can find I can find Carlos Perez who's thirty-two years old, hadn't played since two thousand eighteen. I can find catchers like you know, I mean, this whole fascination with drafting catchers. I think they're overrated. I'm a former pitcher. I think they just sit there and look stupid and I'll throw <laughs> what I want to throw. And don't, and you know, unless you don't get me started, but if you think we should draft 8,000 catchers, good luck to you. But no, I, think- I
1: mean, I, I do think that the catching position is pretty well taken care of for now. That would not be my <laughs> priority. Um, if you are gonna if you are gonna go for best player available, it may very well be that you know that that Kyle is gonna be at six, the best player available, and then you got to make a decision. But um, between you know Shay and Tyler and Daniel Sussex having a nice season so far in Lansing, and um, you know they should be able to cover the catching position over the next few years.
2: You make a good point that all of a sudden you start looking around and all of your best players all play the same position. And that and, – and, and you're seeing it at different levels too. And, you know, that's what happens when you start drafting and trading for the same position. I know it's like shortstops are kind of like tight ends in football. You feel like, well, if they don't make it at that position, you can – like a tight end in football, you can turn him into a defensive lineman, into a linebacker, into an offensive lineman. They're very – a big receiver – that's why Bill Parcells always drafted tight ends because they're very versatile. Same thing with shortstops. They're usually the best athletes so they can play third, they can play center, they can play second, they can morph into a lot of different things. But, you know, and I, and I, and for me, Jordan, my whole thing with Jordan Diaz is I don't think we got better long-term as an organization sending him back down to triple A. Yeah. Am I didn't agree with that either.
1: Yeah. I, I I don't, I mean, you know, look, I think they're in a, they're, they're, they're in a terrible position regardless, right? Like let's not sugarcoat. They're 10 and 40. Um, nothing has worked. Yeah. Um, the, the pieces of the puzzle have been they're There's circles and squares and none of them are matching together. And it's, it's really, it's, it's a mess. And, you know, part of the problem is that where they really need to be looking at young players, they signed a couple of guys to two year deals and another guy to a one year deal. And, you know, I mean, it's it's like you, at some point maybe you got to cut bait with those guys and um, and try to kind of bring up some of these others because I do think like you know Jordan's only going to get better playing every day and he's only going to take away at bats from other guys that you want playing Triple A if he's in Triple A so. It, it it hurts on multiple levels. It doesn't just hurt Jordan's development, but it also hurts, you know, Brett Harris doesn't come up to AAA or, um, you know, you've got uh, guys like if Zach Geloff's going to lose at bats at second base, like, you, you know, these are people you want playing as much as you can. And yes, you can say, oh, there's DH and there's other things. But um, ultimately, you want to have those guys playing as much as possible. And I sort of look back to like you know, that Chris Carter era when they just couldn't figure out where to put him. Michael, Michael him Taylor,
2: Michael yeah. Taylor and Chris Carter, were going to save all of our problems.
1: Sure. They were. And, you know, and, and again, like Chris, eventually, he, you know, he got an opportunity. He stuck for a while and, and, and he made a couple of good years out of it, right? Like the guy led the national league in home runs one season. So you, you saw what he could do, but there were some wasted years there because there was square pegs and round holes. And there were Jason Giambi's and no Mar Garcia, Paras and Mike Piazza's ahead of him and, DH. And I think it's sometimes you just have to say, you know what, those guys aren't working. We gave them money, but you know, the money's already spent. Let's try to develop the people that are going to make us better. And I felt like they did do that in 2017, you know, and leading towards what became that really good core of players. They finally did clear the path for Matt Olson to get up there and Ryan Healy up there and, and Matt Chapman eventually and everything. And, and I think we aren't doing any good in trying to recycle Cause they're they're not winning anyway. Like if, you know, if they were kind of like five games within 500, you could kind of make an argument. Okay, fine. But when you're about to set a record for the most losses in the season, there's just no reason to waste it on guys that are not going to help you get to that next step.
2: I agree. I agree 100%. And when all of a sudden Trevor May comes back, Seth Brown comes back and I get it, but all of a sudden you got older. You brought in more 30-plus-year-old guys, and it's like you're just getting older in a year where you need to get younger and you need to rebuild. Uh, Brett Harris, we just had Ed Sprague Jr. on yesterday. He uh, raved about Brett Harris. Tell us why we're all raving about Brett Harris.
1: I mean, he's just a really good ball player, right? Like, I mean, he's a dude who – I don't know that he does any one thing that you kind of are like, wow, you know. There's no Matt Chapman, 100 miles an hour across the diamond type throws, but um, he's a really good defender. He's got incredible range on pop ups. I will say that's probably. I don't know if that's like a plus skill that you talk about with third baseman much, but as long as they play at the Coliseum, well that in Oakland, previous. I mean you know, that kind of matters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: they they made a bobblehead doll of you know third baseman going over a tarp, right? Like it, it does matter for for whatever days we have left, uh, you know, at the stadium. So. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he's very hard nose. And then offensively he, you know, he doesn't swing and miss a ton, which is great. Um, and he walks a decent amount. He hits for high average. He's got power, um, and he's got a really solid, consistent approach. And I think that's the kind of thing that like, when you're looking at a player, you know, who can make that jump, you know, he's the kind of guy that has that mentality that you can see the jumps not being too big for him because he keeps that line drive up the middle approach. Um, doesn't try to change it depending on you know where he's playing or who he's up against um, and that's those are the kind of guys that tend to max out their potential I think so um, you know I think he's somebody who you know could be a major league third baseman for 10 years and you, you know you come to the end of the career and be wow you know that was just a really solid major league player and I, and I think that's the kind of guy that, that he is
2: a guy like that was Sal Bando Yeah,
1: right. I mean, you know, there's a whole history. I wrote about it. You know, it's like third base should be enshrined as like the Oakland A's position, you know, and I don't know that he's going to be the top of that list, you know, but he's going to be, I think, a good chance to be on that list, which I think is is pretty impressive.
2: Well, that's it. I mean, having a good solid third baseman, have a good solid. I mean, you got to be finding guys. All over the place. Now, you mentioned, and, and I know a lot of Ace fans have brought this up, so I just want to address this where you say, well, as long as we're playing at the Coliseum, and I know there's a lot of stuff and drama and going on, and everybody's following Twitter, and there's all these different reports, and one news source is saying one thing, and 24 hours later they're saying something completely different. So we really don't know. I can tell you what I do know. We will be playing at the Coliseum next year. They have already made the, their, the flight patterns and all the things that they do to get the schedules and do the schedules and all that. Uh, we have one more year lease here. The price is for sure right. And and if I go back to my Raider days, Melissa, when everybody talked about, oh, Oakland and the Raiders and Alameda County. Look how many more years the Raiders stayed there when there was a delay on, on, on Allegiant Stadium. So no matter what, I still think we have – quite a few years left here in Oakland and playing at the Coliseum.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so.
2: I, I can guarantee you next year we're here. Okay. They're not changing <laughs> that major league baseball is not allowing you to change. Once the schedule is set,
1: you're not yeah. changing. I mean, how how awful would that be for, I mean, this is like such a small part of a much larger story, but I, I was thinking about this the other day, like the A's play in Vegas for triple A if they aren't at the Coliseum, that's where they'll have to play their major league games until whenever this stadium is built on the strip. Can you imagine getting called up for your big league debut and walking two lockers over to their the big league debut is in the same place you're playing triple A? Like just the robbing of that moment for a player. It, I don't know. The, the whole thing is just gross. Can, me, can,
2: you, <laughs> can you Can you imagine the numbers guys will put up?
1: Yeah, well, we can imagine the pitching though. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, the I mean, just what, yeah. pitching bad, or all of a sudden you're like, this guy's got sixty five jacks. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, hey, it's you know, the A's have played in Vegas before. Ed Sprague hit his first home run of the oh, year, oh, yeah. the year he that 30... it for
1: that That triple play for Ernie Young—that was still a great moment. Yeah,
2: pretty crazy. <laughs> um, when do you think? And I know it's tough, but when do you think? I mean, we talk about Soderstrom, we talk about Geloff, you're talking about Harris. When do we think we'll see him?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I wish I had a crystal ball. And, you know, so many times um, call-ups are injury-related, right? So, like, Nick Allen didn't get a chance to come back until really, you know, it looked like Diaz was hurt, and then, you know, they could have an opportunity. But that aside, I mean, I, I can't think this goes on well past the all star break without the idea that we need to kind of turn a page here and and, and make and make some major moves. So, um, you know, I would think sometime in August you would start to see Tyler and Zach by then, you know, those guys have had, um, you know, a full season of AAA really because they got some time last year as well. Um, and assuming they're still playing well and they're healthy, I, I don't see why you wouldn't see those guys. I would think, you know, you could see Jordan Diaz back up again as well. I'd like them to see, you know, Cody Thomas is having a really nice season again. And he was a guy that was so close to being on, on the big league roster before that Achilles thing. And now he's fully healthy, you know, it'd be good to see him again. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I think there's got to be a turning the page moment where you start to see all of them come and, the reluctance to get rid of the guys they've paid money to already. You know, I, I, I get it. And it's early ish enough in the season, but um, you would have to think at least by, you know, maybe a little bit after the all-star break, you start to see, you know, that that I, historically right after the draft had been where big moves have made. And now they've pushed the draft all the way to July. So maybe let's yeah. just after the draft. You know? Well, how about this? You know, the
2: checkpoints in baseball, you know, Memorial day is one of the checkpoints. Well, one of the reasons why Memorial day, was such a great checkpoint was because baseball didn't start to like the second week of April. Right. Yeah. We now start in March. So the amount of games we'll more or less, what the 29th, by the time we get to the 29th where we're well over 50 games played. So yeah. if your checkpoints after 50 <laughs> games and then, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying, the all-star break and I, people have said, well, oh, what about the trading deadline? I'm like, Oh, my God, that's another two months. We're two months away from the trade. How- I- I'll lose my mind by that if we have not. That's why I'm like, I, I need something. I need some from some Geloff, some Harris, some whoever. I need something different because I can't imagine what we see right now still what we're rolling out there. And it's like mid-July.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I'd do it tomorrow if I were in charge, but no one's putting me in charge of anything. I'm putting you in charge. I'll
2: put you in charge. I agree with you.
1: Um, No, I mean, you know, and then I think you you also want to look at, you know, some of those outfielders in in Midland and, you know, how like a Denzel Clark and a a Lawrence Butler, how quickly they might be able to help you out. And I think, you know, that's not too far down the road either. Um, And, you know, I think Ramon Laureano has played well enough in parts that I think he's probably got some trade value that, you know, they could – you know, holding on to him until the point that they could trade him would be, would make sense. But um, and Seth Brown, I think there's there's uh, as much as that pains me as <laughs> a big Seth Brown fan to think that they would they would trade him away. But I think you know there there's there's got those are guys that could play themselves into being valuable. And and I think you know seeing what Brent Rooker can continue to do, I think is is worthwhile doing. And JJ Blade as well. But, um, you know, you start to look at Lawrence Butler and you look at Denzel Clark and you think about maybe Cody Thomas and, you know, you start to want to see how does that line up as well. Um, And to see some of that coming through in in the next few months would would be helpful, I think, to the organization as well.
2: Well, then, you know, if you're going to send Kyle Muller down, another thing I didn't agree with. But if you're going to send him down, I'm just trying to think, like, who's down there? I mean. Hogan, yeah. Cody tried to sell me on Hogan Harris. We saw how that went, uh, which still doesn't mean I don't want to see him up here and give him an opportunity. Uh, wh- wh- where do you go? I mean, you start looking around like Rosinski. it's not working. Fuji not working. Uh, you're starting to look at, you know, Mason Miller. Obviously, he's going to be a health problem. Uh, you know, wh- who's going to come up and pitch?
1: Yeah, well, that that is why all of this has fallen apart, really. You know, I mean, the pitching is where it starts and where it ends, and it's always been the case with this organization. And you know, up to this point, they've always been able to roll out at least a somewhat decent pitching staff. But this one, you know, it makes that 1996 pitching staff look like it was, you know, fairly competent, which is hard to do. Um, and I think it's it is tough because you know, you can look and you can, you can look at Hogan Harrison over the last month. He's actually pitched quite well. He's throwing strikes, which I think is the the biggest indicator, right? Like if um, he, when he came up, he wasn't really throwing strikes yet. And that just, you know, snowballed on him in that one appearance. Um, But I also think he's probably a reliever anyway. Um, And that's part of the other thing, I guess, that has been hard for me to understand is that, you know, the bullpen right now, there's a lot of guys that are still trying to develop as starters that, probably could come up and be somewhat effective relievers, you know, like a Hogan Harris. Um, I, I think, you know, some of these, even, I don't even know Muller, maybe it would have been helpful to try him in the bullpen for a little bit and just see what, what could work right. in shorter spurts. And instead we're kind of just seeing the same guys out there and, you know, they need good innings and I don't know where it, it doesn't have to come from the rotation all of it, you know, it, it needs to come somewhere. And so the idea of trying to get these guys in certain roles, if you've got a quality arm at this point and they can throw strikes, put them in the bullpen and then we'll see what happens because the, 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 innings need to get stretched out with effective arms. And there's a couple of guys that have come up that look like they could be, you know, interesting and keep running those guys out there. And I'm glad that Garrett Acton's up there. And I think, you know, that Richard Lovelady's had some good outings and things, you know, so, stretching those along, but you're not going to get anywhere. Even if the rotation gets better, if the bullpen keeps blowing it in the sixth and seventh innings. Right. So, um, finding any quality arms and getting them to the big leagues, even if you want them to be a starter, eventually getting them some big, big league experience as a reliever at this point would probably help. And I think that is something that, uh, that they would need to look to. Um, I don't have an easy answer as to who those arms are, you know, right now they're, they're not, uh, overly abundant. Um, I think, uh, Shoei Tomioka in, in Midland is, is pitched really well. And I think it might be interesting to see what he could do. He's already 27. So it's not like there's a reason to wait on him. Um, I almost think skipping AAA for some of these pitchers might not be a bad idea because there's not a lot you can get from data, yes. you know, in looking at at what they're doing in Vegas. So, um, you know, looking at that Midland uh, pitching staff, Ryan, Ryan Kusick is actually, he's still walking too many guys, but he's not, Giving up nearly as many hits, he's he's got a good ERA. A lot of people projected him as a reliever anyway. Like, try him out. You know, at this point, that's kind of what the Rays do. You know, they bring up whoever, whatever quality arm they have, and they get as many innings in whatever role they can out of them, and they stretch it out over a 162 game season, and it. know the patchwork works and um at this point i think the patchwork might need to kind of work you know that's that's the way they're going to have to to get this done so um yeah because you can't it it's got to be demoralizing even when you have a decent start there's just no chance of finishing it if you're out of it in the seventh inning you know um
2: well, I can tell you one thing I do know, you can get a, a good prime rib dimmer over at the Red Rock Casino across the street from the ballpark. That's one good thing a pitcher can do. <laughs> Other than that, there's nothing good. Hey, great stuff as always. We love The Athletic. We love everything that you guys do. Thank you so much for taking the time, and we'll talk soon.
1: All right, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.
2: Melissa Lockhart from The Athletic. Mike Petriello from MLB.com next, right here on A's Cast Live.
1: Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: Actually, we're in San Francisco today, NBC Sports California, as I'll be hosting A's pre and post game live with the great Dave Stewart in just a little bit. But before we do all of that and get you ready for A's and the Mariners, Mike Petriello from MLB.com. Of course, you see them all over the place, including MLB Network joins us. How are you?
3: Hey, Chris. I'm great. Good to see you again.
2: Everything uh, everything good in your world? You've been, uh, Somebody took, I think Cody said you went on vacation.
3: I took the kids to Disney. I don't know if I'd call it a vacation, but it was definitely <laughs> time off of work.
2: Uh, to Disney or Disney World?
3: Florida, Disney World. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. How was that?
3: Uh, you know, it was actually pretty great. The Star Wars stuff was great. The yeah. four-year-old didn't ruin the entire trip. It was. Uh, would recommend doing it exactly once in a lifetime.
2: <laughs> well, good for you getting some uh, a family time. The last time we were talking to you, you're working on. Uh, I wouldn't say exactly new, but obviously our world has changed with pitch timer, bigger bags. Let's just say this: a lot is not in the catcher's favor. We're not really helping catchers out because God knows pitchers are terrible at holding runners. They're still slow to the plate, but you're trying to figure out who are the best throwing catchers. What have we found out since you've really been looking into this?
3: Yeah, what we did was we came up with a metric that kind of, um, I think every catcher I've talked to loves it because it takes some of the pressure off of them. Because for 100 years, they've been saying, or the base runner's been saying, hey, I didn't steal that base off the catcher. I stole that base off the pitcher, right? He let me take a huge lead. It doesn't matter how good the catcher's arm is. And obviously, that's not entirely true. Some catchers are better or not at this. But uh, with all the gas data we have, we can tell you, you know, who is the... What's the speed of the base runner? You know, how far off the base did he get? Did he get a good lead or not? What kind of pitch was it? Was it, you know, in the dirt? Was it middle, middle? What what, uh, side of the plate did the batter hit from? All this stuff goes into the soup. And you take all that and you can say, well, you were really not expected to throw out the runner here. You were given no shot. It was a fast runner with a big lead and you had a 5% shot throwing out this runner. So the fact that you didn't shouldn't be held against you. Sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes it's, I don't know, Albert pools with a tiny lead and you better throw him out. You can take all that and kind of get to an expected caught stealing and get to a little bit more of, you know, reflecting what it, it actually happens on the field and not just it is a caught stealing or not. I think it's cool. I think that's like kind of the next level of what this data can do is to really help us get beyond some of the stats we've had for 100 years there.
2: And I know not too long ago when, you know, you're looking at catchers and if you signed a catcher, yeah, you know, I, I care if he hits. Like, no one's stealing bags anyway. Well, that's that's changing. Like, we're seeing it with S.A. Uri Rees, who's on a record pace here to with the A's to shatter the all-time American League rookie record set by Kenny Lofton back in the day, 66. So, I got I got a feeling this is going to be what we're going to see the next five years is everybody's going to be running. So how well your catch or throw that's going to be back in vogue. Hey, maybe your new metric is going to help some guys get paid.
3: Maybe so. I mean, maybe some guys will not look as great by the metric, too, I suppose. I think it's interesting, like what we've seen so far early in the season. You know, some of the teams have adjusted quickly and some of them haven't like take the twins, for example. They were barely running at all for the first month. And that's partially because with Buxton not really going because he's worried about his health. They just don't have a lot of fast players. I think they have stolen more bases in the last like week than they did in the first five weeks of the season. I don't know if that's exactly true, but it's something like that. They've become much more aggressive because I think teams are catching on. The opportunities are there you know we're if the success rate is this high that means we're not stealing enough we are leaving too yes. much value on the table and i think that's one of the most interesting things uh, about any of these rule changes whether it's that the timer the shift limitations whatever is now teams have something new to game plan against i don't want to say baseball was figured out you know last season but a lot of it was and now there's new things and it's really fascinating to see which teams are the early movers and which ones are still trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing here
2: Well, I think about leads, too. You know, we were getting information. I haven't seen it in a while. But the biggest leads we've ever seen, have you been following up? Because we know the longer your lead is, the more freedom you got. And you know the guy's not throwing over. I mean, stealing second, I mean, that's like shooting dead fish in a barrel.
3: Well, yeah, the lead distances haven't gone up by as much as I thought they would. There's definitely some value in drawing one of those disengagements, like making the pitcher step off or throw over. Uh, Because I think you can just take like a little bit more of a lead. And if you think about it, you know, a stolen base is really measured in fractions of a second. All right, we have pop times down to two decimals. A 1.9 pop time is great. A 2.1 pop time is terrible. Like that's how minuscule these things are. So if you can just get like one extra foot of a lead or take off one half a second earlier because you think the pitcher is not going to waste that second disengagement, that is huge. And that kind of goes back to the strategy aspect of it before. You never had to think about these things before. You never had to care about this. And all of a sudden, it's incredibly important. And I think you're going to see more and more guys trying to take advantage of it from that way.
2: All right. So when you look at these rule changes and I know we get emails from major league baseball and they're trying to tell us, look how it's changed. And I understand, you know, steering a boat, it, it takes a while. So, you know, left shifting, the batting average is up a little bit. It's better for left handers, you know, with stolen bases. I mean, it's going to take time. We'll see what all these changes look like in two, three, four years. Numbers could be greatly different, but When you've been looking at this, what do you say, yep, that really worked, and then, yeah, I'm not so sure about that one?
3: I mean, it's hard to not say that the pitch timer is the one that's worked exactly as intended, right? Like, I don't know exactly what number we're down to at the moment, but it's like 25 minutes of game time, and it's not really game time. It's 25 minutes of dead time. And a lot of the testing that was done in the minor leagues in the past said that's exactly what would happen. The only thing that surprised me really is uh, there just have not as, been as many blowups early in the season as I thought there would be. I really thought there would be some veteran pitcher who's never done this before who would get hit with a an you know, automatic ball because he was too slow and he'd lose his mind. And that really hasn't happened. I think it's to the credit of the, the players, really, that they took this seriously and it's gone and wildly smoothly. So that one is... I think clearly the most impactful because it's it's been as advertised you know you're getting more baseball in less time i love that the other ones the bigger bases i don't think we're ever really going to do that much and they they haven't you know it's the the shift band has done a little bit so I think a lot of people thought lefty hitters were going to get like 80 points of batting average back. <laughs> and a lot of people were like, no, that's probably not going to happen because uh, pitchers are still really good.
2: You mean everybody's going to be Wade
3: Boggs really and Tony Gwynn now, Rod Carew? That's the, <laughs> I can't tell you how many veteran lefty hitters like Rizzo or Hosmer uh-huh. or guys like that are like, yeah, base hits up the middle. They're coming back. And like they are back a little bit, sure, but also you can still position your shortstop right up the middle. <laughs> like a shift limitation is not, you know, concrete feet at the four traditional spots. You can still move your guys around within those limitations. And I think teams are still doing a pretty good job of that.
2: You know, we've seen some guys get off to some really hot starts. We had one of them in Brent Rooker, right? When we were there in New York, they are highlighting him at MLB Network. Uh, another guy that, that we love a lot who was an Oakland athletic, Matt Chapman, was off to a screaming start. And then all of a sudden, the calendar turns. You go to the next month, and it's like, whoa. What do you, what do you think about guys who get off to just that incredible start, and then the next month it's completely opposite?
3: I think that's just kind of the way baseball works a lot of the time. I mean, a lot of those starts you wouldn't notice so much if they happened in August, but you notice it right away because Matt Chapman's hitting over 400 for three weeks. And that's what you see on the scoreboard. If he has that same hot streak in August, maybe it means his batting average goes from 260 to 290. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. You don't really pay much attention. uh, But at the beginning of the season, those numbers stand out to you right away if we're talking specifically about Chapman and Rooker two very different situations in the sense that Rooker had no track record whatsoever of success. So mm-hmm. you've really got the eyeball on him in terms of, is this a fluke? Is this just pitchers trying to figure him out? Cause here's a guy who's been through a couple of organizations, got a decent amount of playing time with Minnesota, never really worked out, obviously got off to an amazing start earlier this year. He's probably going to make the all-star team. <laughs> Wouldn't be my guess. Looking at the A's roster and I think, uh, you know, we're, we need to see enough playing time for him to see if he can adjust to the adjustment. As far as Chapman goes, he is who he is at this point, which is uh, an above average player who is probably not the best hitting, uh, best hitter in baseball. You know, like nothing I saw the first month of the season made me think, oh, he's actually Aaron Judge now. There no disrespect intended. He's a very good hitter. But when you've got as much of a track record as he does, you kind of know what he's going to be at this point. You knew he was going to play a little bit worse than that. I didn't think May would be as rough as it is, but it's going to even out for him in the end. He's going to be like 25 to 30 percent above average as a hitter. He's going to get a very nice contract next winter.
2: So, with playoffs expanded, and obviously we do this every single day, so we got to come up with content every day. You know, so much talk about look how great the AL East is, their winning percentage. It's the best right now that we've seen in the wild card era. We've looked at this because the best winning percentage for a division was 0-1 and 0-2 for the American League West when the A's and the Mariners both went off and everybody in the division was good. But, you know, right now – it can look one way, but once you get to the playoffs, you never know. Somebody's going to have to win the AL Central. Obviously, the American League right now looks stronger than the National League, but it's kind of like we're maybe are we jumping to conclusions about how good the AL East is and how good the American League is, and we're kind of like forgetting, hey, these other teams, you don't know what could be like come October.
3: I'm not sure I totally agree with you that someone has to win the American League Central. I feel like in the back of the rule book, there might be some kind of loophole where maybe nobody has to win the American League Central and we can just build the entire playoffs out of the East and the West because they're, we're real close to having the entire American League Central being under 500. Well, who like, could that, we, who could you move to the
2: set? Right. Cent- maybe put, could you put the Rangers in the Central? So the Astros win the West and the Rangers win the Central.
3: You know, you could make an argument that Toronto geographically could be in the Central. They're not Just that about, far away from Detroit. That is right? correct. That's yeah. probably the one. Here's the thing: these these teams, uh, with the exception of Texas, I guess, who's playing better than I thought they would, none of these teams are that surprising. Like we all thought, the five teams in the American League East would be different flavors of pretty good. We always knew the American League Central was going to be, you know, difficult. And in the West, yes, Texas has been better than I thought. I think the A's are maybe playing a little bit worse than I thought they would but otherwise what's surprising. Like this is a lot of it is exactly what we would thought uh, coming into the season. And you know, it's not that dissimilar in the West either. Like the Dodgers were kind of a question mark. And yet there they are on top of the division. Again, the four best divisions are the four coastal divisions. I know I'm in New York and you're in the Bay area. And that yeah. makes us look like we're talking about flyover country. Like there's no baseball there. And there is, but this is where the teams are.
2: Well, they did an article on it. I, I, I was a couple weeks ago in the USA today and I hadn't thought about it because I don't think of baseball or football or basketball, coast, or flyover states, Midwest. But we haven't had a whole lot of success when you think about it. I think the last like teams to really do something, we'd have to go back to what? The Cubs and the Indians in the World Series? Since then, it has been all the teams on the coast.
3: Yeah, it really has been. I think that goes to the maybe the different structure of the different sports. You know, The other sports all have a salary cap, and baseball doesn't really – um, but it, it kind of comes down to the fact that, you know, how much of this is going to change soon? You know, like, are the Dodgers not going to be good anytime soon? Are the Yankees gonna, and the Mets going to stop spending a big money? Like, not really. Um, I think you need like a raise ish team to come out of the one of the centrals. I kind of thought maybe that would be like the Tigers or the Royals, and that hasn't really happened yet. White Sox seem like they're kind of nearing the end of their window. One of those teams is going to get to the playoffs, but I think they're going to surprise us. Because remember last year, the Phillies didn't actually win that many games, and they made it to the World Series. Would it shock you totally if, I don't know, the Brewers or even the Cardinals went on a hot streak for three weeks and ended up in the World Series, and then everything looks totally different? Like, it's not that hard to see that happening. No,
2: it's not. I'm looking at the standings right now, and Pittsburgh started to crumble a little bit. They were a great story early, but there's just – That is kind of odd where you have all these teams in the Central and it's just like here we are. As you said, they're not going to stop spending money in L.A. They're not going to stop spending money in Anaheim. God knows how much the Padres have committed. You look at the Giants are going to spend money. Hopefully someday we do. You look at the Northeast and all the money there and the battle there. It's like at some point, though, we do need the Central to be part of this thing.
3: We do. And I don't want to make it too much about money. It's not just about the payroll, right? Like San Diego spent a lot and they're four games under 500. The Rays don't really spend very much at all. And they're the best team in baseball. So it's not just about payroll size, obviously. Um, I think maybe a lot of it is about competition. If you're in the East, if you're in the West, you see the behemoths and you're like... We really got to up our game. I'm never going to beat the Dodgers if I don't do something. I'm never going to beat the Yankees if I don't do something. They're not the same kind of pressures in the Central. You know, you can be decent and get yourself into the playoffs. You don't necessarily have to say, I have to be incredible to get to the playoffs because you might win the Centrals with 87 wins this year.
2: So, Commander Cody, my producer, wanted me to ask you this because, obviously, we see you on MLB Network. You go on the show, MLB Now, and, and a great conversation there. We haven't really been able to get into it today. We've got Mariners today, Mike. We you know, This is game three of a four-game set. We've been really busy today here. But uh, looking at the conversation, Trout catching up, Griffey, Joe D war you think about DiMaggio you think about Griffey when you talk about Mike Trout and you start getting into the you know where he's going to be going now for the next few years with these all-time greats how do you lump him in there with like Joe DiMaggio and Ken Griffey Jr.
3: Well I said Mike Trout was going to be the greatest player of all time like five years ago so I like to think I was ahead of the curve on that (laughs) when it comes to uh, what he does on the field and his value as a player and the level of competition he has to face because remember a lot of those guys like you know joe dimaggio certainly played before integration and he didn't have the same level of competition that mike trout did never played night games for the most part he didn't have to fly to the west coast didn't have to have 10 relievers throwing 98 mile an hour sliders like trout does mike trout is a better baseball player the thing that mike trout will never ever reach is the amount of legend because he doesn't play for the yankees and he's probably never going to win a World Series. I hate to say that at this point in his career. He's got time left. Like, who knows what will happen, but it hasn't come close yet. I'm not sure that this year is the year. So if we're calling the Hall of Fame, like, emphasis on fame, he's never going to be DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Ken Griffey, all these guys. But in terms of the best player we've seen, he's going to be Willie Mays-esque. He's going to be in the top three, not just because he has great years, but because he's had, like, 10 of them in a row. And even now, people are like, oh, Mike Trout's not having his best year, which is true. He's still having a very good year. Isn't that an amazing compliment? Boy, you're not having a great year, but man, that year is still great. And that says to me like a lot about how great Trout is. I almost feel like he's underappreciated in his time just because we never get to see him on the biggest stage, never get to see him in the playoffs, the World Series, and it's kind of a shame for the sport, really.
2: Well, you don't have to convince the Oakland A's fans. You see the Coliseum behind me. You think about all the great players who have played against the Oakland A's since 1968. One more home run by Mike Trout against the A's, and he has now hit more home runs against the Oakland A's as as an opposing player than anybody else. And think how young he is. And you think of all the great players, and let's face it too, all the time Trout's been playing, a lot of the years he's been in the league, the A's have been good, whether winning the division or or being the wild card team. So it's not like he's I, – I mean, we're in a bad spell right now, but he's faced a lot of good A's teams. He's tortured us. Look at his career numbers against the A's. Look at his career numbers against the Texas Rangers. I think Ranger fans would say the thing we would say, hey, you want to trade him to the Yankees? Be my guest. We're tired of seeing him that much.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I, I don't have his numbers in front of me. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's not a team he hasn't tortured at least once ones he's played more than two or three times, he kills everybody, yeah. you know? I mean, I'm sure it's probably you've seen it more because you see him so many times per season, although less now with the balanced schedule, you won't have to see him as often, which I guess is kind of a boon. Um, but I, I, he's not going to get traded, I don't think. I think Otani is going to depart after this year because he's a free agent and i don't think trout's going to go anywhere he's got that contract forever they're not going to want to lose both the superstars in one season and you will probably won't have to face otani as much although who knows seattle i think it's a possible destination for him so you might end up seeing him quite as much
2: yeah where 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 if you had to give like top 3 options for Shohei otani what, what, what where what would you put it at
3: uh Dodgers Padres Mariners I think are the the clear top three you got to throw the Mets in there obviously because you know Steve Cohen may want to give him all of the money in the entire world and that's possibly true um but those seem like the three you know most obvious landing places uh, certainly they could all fit him in in terms of talent uh, he, he chose to be on the West Coast when he first came to America. I don't know for sure that he would still do that, but that's obviously what he did the first time. And those are teams that would be incredibly happy to have him. Um, I, there's some others, the Yankees, the Mets. Could you see a dark horse like, uh, you know, maybe the Giants step up possibly? But Dodgers, Padres, Mariners would be my my best guess.
2: We're saying no on Kansas City.
3: I would never say never. I've never (laughs) been to Kansas City, but I hear it's a lovely place to live and play. Great barbecue. We don't know.
2: Maybe he loves barbecue. Maybe he loves barbecue. Maybe so. (laughs) Uh, Quickly, just with the – you mentioned the Padres. Uh, You know, we've known Bob Melvin. I did the Bob Melvin show for a long time. Melvin's a friend. Spent a lot of time with him. Speaking in in spring training, I I knew there was issues. Um, It's been kind of a little bit of a toxic culture that people have not really – known a lot about people, you know, people are just, it's Slam Diego. Everybody's having fun in San Diego and just, you're kind of seeing it with the team and they have 863 million that's being sent out to players in the next 10, 11 years. That's either contract extensions or free agents. You talk about Shohei Otani, they'll put it to well over a billion dollars. Just how do you think this, and you still got, you still got Juan Soto that you're going to have to deal with. Just how do you think this thing plays out?
3: I don't think they're so much worried about the future as they are about winning right now this year. And some of what's happened this year has been surprising and some of it less so like they they have, I think the weakest or second weakest catching situation in baseball. That's not surprising. That wasn't going to be a strength. Is it surprising to me that Manny Machado got off to such a poor start. Yes, it is when he comes off the IL, Like there's no reason to think that he won't turn it around. Uh, Soto has been great. Like after a rough first start, I, I, I think there's too much talent here for it not to work out. I don't, think they're going to beat the Dodgers though. Like I had picked them to win the West and I no longer think that's true. I I think it's interesting because things haven't gone well. And then when you look at the stars, like I said, Soto has been great. Nobody's paid attention to the fact that Josh Hader had like a six ERA last year and has been amazing this year. You know, oh, you're pointing at someone who said it. Oh, I hope that's Cody. Co- Commander Cody is, a is like
2: a Josh. He's, he's got a poster. He's like a kid. He's got a poster
0: the, of Josh Hader in his room. The slang is I'm a Josh Hader stand," is what you're looking for.
3: <laughs> yes, I love it. That's correct because Cody is smart and he knows his baseball. And, like, you look at the rotation. Do I think Blake Snell's going to have an ERA over five all year long? No, I, I don't. They're, they're too good to not pull it together. I, I agree with you that uh, manager is one of the best managers in the game. You know, there's... People are like, well, maybe they should uh, shake things up with the managerial changes. like, that's not it. I don't I don't think he's the problem there. I think they've had issues with other managers in the past, but that's not what's happening here. Kind of all you can do is let it play out, maybe get an upgraded catcher, find another starting pitcher if you're able to. But basically, you put together this team, you've got a ton of talent. Fernando Tatis has really taken nicely to the outfield. He's played very well out there. And at a certain point, the talent's going to take over. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't matter because everyone's going to get fired and it'll be someone else's problem.
2: All right, let's end on this. Since you're saying Mike Trout is greatness, when we talk Disneyland, Florida, Disney World, which ride is the Mike Trout of Disney World?
3: Well, I haven't been in the one in California in a long time, but I'll tell you the Disney World one, uh, if you're into Star Wars especially called Rise of the Resistance, and they basically put you inside a movie. There's like real actors there acting out the parts of Imperial Guards, it, and you feel like you are in space like during a battle. It's one of the coolest things I've ever written. My son is seven. He wrote it with me, and he wanted to go back out like 10 more times. That is A-plus of the one you have to go to.
2: Yeah, we have that in California. I'm just not sure it's the same size you know, because everything I hear – it, the, the size of the rides may be different but yeah but we have that too the only thing is when your son wants to go on it like four or five times you do have to tell him how long the line is right
3: well i do here's here's a real quick funny story he was fine with that my daughter is four she does not understand the concept of having to get off and let other people do it so a memory <laughs> i'll always have is carrying her screaming off of pirates of the caribbean that's not something every father gets to say but i'll have that one for a long time
2: Hey, great stuff. It's always good to have you on, and we'll be reading you, watching you, and following everything you're doing because uh, nobody better than you in our game covering Major League Baseball.
3: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Cody. Take care.
2: Mike Petriello from MLB.com, one of the smartest guys. Look at you guys, a little hater. No haterade for you guys. Mike Petriello doing a great job covering Major League Baseball. And a lot, a lot of fun having him on. And it's hard to believe that you know you could be. Just, once again, we keep talking about this whole this whole thing about payroll. That that the Padres' payroll could be, or or, or the money that they guarantee going forward could be
0: over a billion dollars. A
2: billion dollars. It's something. gonna be
0: interesting. Oh my god! I mean, we've talked about we've talked about um, Otani with them. And he threw out Seattle, which I don't hear a lot of people say Seattle. I've said, I told you, I think Seattle is a dark horse. But if they sign, if San Diego goes after him, there's no way they sign Soto, right? I think there's no way he signs in Seattle. I'm just staying looking for the Ichiro connection there. And
2: what the hell is that? this guy basically says he wants to win? That's all he said. He wants to win. What? What Ichiro? What? What would Ichiro win? They, they they went to the playoffs for the first time since '01. Since each
0: row was there. <laughs>
2: what's what, what 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 says winning in Seattle? If you're, he's been going up there kicking there. You know what? As an angel, why why would he think that is the place I'm going to go?
0: It's a good question. It's, it's a fair point. There's but.
2: one place that he knows he can win and win a title and win multiple titles. And no, it's not the San Francisco Giants. Yes, I know you did, but. That was, ten, that was almost 10 years ago. 10 years ago. It was a long
0: time Brandon ago. Crawford's hitting 165. Okay, come on. Oh, B Craw.
2: Um, I don't know. I just took a shot at Brian, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, great. He's a put fr- him on the wall
0: next to Bernard, all
2: right? Uh, we, Jason
0: Schmidt and we, those guys. We can confirm we're going to go and find Marvin Bernard on the wall sometime this summer. <laughs> we're at NBC a few more times this summer. If, I, if
2: I'm Barry Bonds <laughs> and you put me on that dumb wall, I'm literally the greatest player of all time. Like you're talking, Mike Trout's the greatest player, right? If I'm Barry Bonds, and you know I can't stand Bonds, but I'm Barry Bonds, and I'm literally the greatest player to have ever played. And you're putting me on a wall with Jason Schmidt. That's pi I
0: think it, when I think Jason Schmidt, I think Pirates. Don't rob Nen me. I'm Barry Bonds. He was, uh, he, was a good, he was a good giant I it didn't
2: matter I'm Barry Bonds there was a Sports Illustrated I'm on the cover and the cover says I'm Barry Bonds and you're not anybody else had that and you're gonna put me on the wall with like like who Bobby Estelea uh
0: Bill not Miller? The- <laughs> Bill Miller uh, Bill Miller um because Shinjo is Shinjo <laughs> on the wall uh, better question is <laughs> better questions. Kirk reader. You putting me on there with lefty Kirk reader. Uh, Woody is on the wall. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I
2: bet he's on the wall. He, he did. Who ha- isn't on the wall. He
0: did have the, uh, he, for the longest time, he was the winningest left-handed pitcher in Giants history until Madison Bumgarner passed Actually, him. Actually, I've interviewed a lot. We've had him on this show, haven't we? Uh, I
2: had him on 95.7. Yeah. I used to book him at 95.7. Kirk, Re- Kirk a- Reeder's
0: the nicest guy. Maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll get him for the, uh, Woody. We'll, maybe we'll get him for one of the Giants play. Russ Ortiz on the wall. Ooh, game set. Was it game six? Game six. Game six. Russ. And I'm not talking about Russell Westbrook either. I want to go check out this wall and see what see what's going on.
2: Do we really? Do we really have to go? I mean, can we just make fun of it and never go to it?
0: I do think having a se- doing a segment there, a video, a two minute video with Marvin Bernard would be kind of.
2: Oh, fun. our fans. Why are you at the wall? Why are you? I could just see the whining and complaining if we go to the wall. Well, that, that will. We, we should just go, hey, we know you're going to whine and complain about it, but we're going to have fun and joke about the wall. That's what we're doing it for. We're doing it
0: for content not in, you should in, never la- leave, in laughter.
2: You should never leave Oakland. How could you even go to San Francisco?
0: The Joker once said laughter is the best medicine, so I, I just go off what one of the greatest villains of all time says. Which Joker is this? I mean. Uh... The greatest Joker is Cesar Romero. From the original Batman with Adam West. Who is Young. an actual comedian. Burgess Meredith is the Penguin. That is correct. I used to watch that show, and that I, was I had the great. movie too. Adam West, Burt Young was Robin. Yeah, no, that who old Batman. A, someone else is in there. Too. It was the Joker. Caesar Romero. Oh, Cesar Romero. Then okay, uh, uh, who was the Riddler?
2: The Riddler was a famous comedian too. Fred Gorshin.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. There's a lot of people on that.
2: And then uh, Catwoman was famous. I don't
0: remember her name, but she was famous. Yeah, you're really going you're really dating I this this is when my dad was a kid. My dad loves those Batmans. I mean he likes Batman. Oh, they're
2: pre me, right? Weren't yeah. they what when when, when, when? when was that it's Batman? in the sixties,
0: like late mid yeah. to late sixties.
2: I just remember as a kid they were on, I loved them. Batman was awesome. I just watched
0: uh, Batman the other day. Well, the uh, Michael Keaton and Jack Mr. Nicholson. Who
2: was Mr. Freeze was a fame they were famous actors in this show. Who was Mr. Freeze? I mean, it was Arnold in the movies. <laughs> that's my that's my Arnold Schwarzenegger. 1966 figure, to way.
0: 1968. I mean, I have the movie. The Batmobile was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, I grew up because my dad's a huge Batman guy. You ready for a little more uh, Arnold? Get to the chapel. That's uh, a a predator. Predator. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, not directed. I, where's the cast? Okay. Oh, there was a Townsend up there. Right? Uh, Al Napier was Alfred. Um... The Joe, uh, where, who are we looking for? Mister Mr. Mr. Freeze.
2: Free. Caesar Romero was the Joker.
0: Julie Newmar was
2: Catwoman. Julie Newmar. She was famous back then. Frank Gorshin was the Riddler.
0: Where, where's I don't see Mister Freeze. Egghead. On. Well, I, don't, I don't see Mister Freeze on here.
2: Vincent Price. Yeah, it was Egghead. Yeah, it was. It, it was Egghead. He wasn't Mister Egghead. Uh, Vincent Price, famous. You know Vincent Price is right from all the Halloween shows and. The great Vincent Price? No. Remember the voice from Thriller? The man's voice? That's from, that's him. That's Vincent Price. I had no idea. I'm working with a child. I, but then again, a lot of you out there might be. Brett, go back and I thriller, was born in 1988. The famous voice from Thriller,
0: the video, the song. Can you do the dance? No. Maybe we should figure it out for... You, Rick, how you, we know how big you are for Halloween. Maybe we should learn the Thriller dance for Halloween.
2: Maybe. Too soon to dress as Michael Jackson for Halloween, and the Thriller outfit.
0: Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the climate is on that one.
2: Uh, I dressed as John Gruden one Christmas too, not too long ago.
0: That's your, uh, that's your. Too like, soon. That's your contact photo when you call me. <laughs> too soon. And you have the and you have the saber cat's ring on.
2: I have the mod, the real, the real championship ring on, not a fake one, but a real arena league football ring on and i have the headset on i got all the raider gear when i was handing out when i was handing out candy um because we had to do it outside right we have to do everything outside covid so all the dads were like would line up and the kids would come up my driveway and they'd all
0: be like gruden <laughs>
2: they all knew who i was
0: so we only have a couple minutes left Shall we should we talk about what's the biggest thing from today now, you asked me if we had any sound. and only Oh, I-
2: happy birthday?
0: Happy birthday. It's
2: happy birthday time. Happy, happy birthday. Can
0: I play the highlight first, then? Oh, yes. Okay. The greatest highlight in the history of baseball happened, well, seven years ago. But happy 50th to this guy. Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes Upton. Back near the wall. It's out of here. Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. We don't need to play the whole highlight. It was like a minute still a minute left in it. Was that about James Shields? It was off James Shields. Big w- game, James. Well, that's probably that's why I'm we like, never won a big game. Probably where hit the moniker from uh, fifty or hit his first and only home run that day. Uh, that was Gary Cohen. He was a Hernandez, Met, right? When a he Met, did, that? yeah, in San Diego at Petco Park, he crushed the ball. All the players vacated the dugout.
2: I thought I thought you were going to play the one where he got hit in his belly
0: and it stuck <laughs> in his belly. No, no. Uh, also. On April 18, 2012, he threw 38 straight strikes for the uh, Los Angeles Angels in an eight scoreless inning. And where was that game? Anaheim.
2: It was in Anaheim.
0: Uh, This is what Johnny Gomez said after the game: "You can't get 38 strikes out of a pitching machine. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, Incredible. 30, 35 of his 38 strikes were fastballs. Two samers. So all day."
2: Bartolo, all day.
0: We don't have time to get into it, but there was a whole thing about how what's tougher to do, Joe DiMaggio hitting 56 games in a row or Bartolo throwing 38 consecutive strikes. They actually broke it down. It's actually harder to throw 38 straight strikes than it is to hit 56 straight games.
2: (laughs) I'm not buying that.
0: It's a whole MLB.com article. I'll send it to you. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. It's roughly one in 60,000 with the numbers they use. Roughly one in 770,000, or 13 times higher than it is to hit in the 56-game th- hitting
2: streak. Well, it's also subjective, too, because some of those are just called by an umpire. Oh, yes. So there we're, 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 were pitches that were, and I guess I could play to it because there's the human error part of it.
0: Yeah, For yeah. Happy 50th birthday, 50. Barty. Uh, in his career as the A, 2012-2013, this includes a 50. What was his suspension? Was it 50? 50 then?
2: Yeah, it was done for the season.
0: 28-15 yeah. in his career as an A, 299 ERA, 208 strikeouts, and 342 in two-thirds innings. He did win a Cy Young before as well. Just take a guess what year. God. How long ago it was. Wasn't he an angel when he
2: won the Cy Young? Just take a guess.
0: 2004.
2: 2005, the year my kids were born. That's a long time It's ago.
0: crazy how long ago that was. I was a sophomore in high school.
2: Bartolo Colon, what did he win? 240-something? 240
0: 247 wins, a 46.2 war, 2,535. Was he up. one of
2: the best pitchers of his time? He won a side. Uh Winning percentage pretty damn good. Struck out a ton of guys, gave you a ton of innings. You never bring him up as a future Hall of Famer. Why not Bartolo Colon? You're gonna put that hack. I'm not gonna call him a hack, but you're you're talking about putting other guys in there right around.
0: You're gonna put in Grinky, but not Bartolo Colon. Mm, Grinky, mm, much higher WAR, more strikeouts.
2: He's just an accumulator. He's now just played for really. He played, for really, he played
0: for really bad Kansas City teams. He played for really good Dodger teams. And Brewers are pretty good too.
2: Grinky and Astros, Grinky played a lot, lot <laughs> a lot of good
0: teams. A I
2: lot of good teams. Mean, I mean, we think we need to make a case, Bartolo Colon. You're going to put all these other guys in? Put Bartolo Colon in. We got Pop for PEDs.
0: Hall of, Hall of very good.
2: If you're going to allow Big Poppy to get in on <laughs> PEDs, how you can't tell me it was helping Bartolo Colon be, be like, the PEDs were not helping Bartolo Colon the way they were helping Jose
0: Canseco. No. Not at all. What? what I mean, well, how was it helping Barty? What was it doing keeping him in shape?
2: I have no idea. And I can't even remember what he was on. Well, he wasn't in shape. He had the worst. He was the best bad body guy of all time.
0: Yeah, but he was pitching every five days.
2: He was incredible. But I don't even know how it helped him.
0: Because yeah. he just threw the same pitches over and over and over again. It was a yeah, seam fastball. 92 93. <laughs> 38 straight times he did and 35 of them were fastballs. righty. we are back tomorrow. We're back tomorrow. Your guy Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions. Oh, I love him. He's got the craziest stuff. And uh they also supply the umpiring data to MBC Sports California here Dallas talk about. And uh we're going to have you know tomorrow. Melissa Lockhart did
2: not by the way, we didn't she did not like buy my whole thing. Oh, we'll be at the Coliseum next year. Yeah, I don't I don't know. She was like, "Uh, if you say so." I'm like, "The schedule's already. They've already, Once the schedule's in play, nobody's moving."
0: Yeah. Well. We I, will be at the Coliseum next year. I do like your thought about the how many home runs will I hit in Vegas? If that. Oh Jesus. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Brent Rooker, 55 home runs Damn. in Las Vegas.
2: Jesus. You know what? Everybody hates Barry Bonds, so if someone hit 74 jacks, probably they wouldn't mind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pete Alonzo on pace for Anything 60. Anything to get Barry off the list. Pete Alonzo on pace for 60. I, I'd love to see him break Mike 62. Petrello,
2: Melissa Lockhart, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Up next, it's going to be Ed Sprague, and then A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.